0: The Ship Gold Friday Gold Back. Your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, February 21st. I'm your host Mike Maharry. Thanks for tuning in. Well, ladies and gentlemen, gold broke out this week. It pushed through the $1,600 an ounce level, hit a seven-year high on Thursday, and it's continued to surge overnight and into this morning. As I record this podcast, the yellow metal is at 1641 an ounce. Silver is also pushing up. It's trading at $18.65. This is a legit bull run. Gold hit records in several other currencies this week, including euros and Australian and Canadian dollars. It broke records in rupees four straight days. Holdings in bullion-backed ETFs rose for the 22nd consecutive session up to Thursday. That's the longest run ever. The price of gold is up nearly 8% on the year. Keep in mind, this is on top of an 18% gain in 2019. Now, the conventional wisdom is that a lot of this is being driven by safe haven buying based on coronavirus fears. I do think coronavirus is at play. I don't think this is just about a safe haven bid. This week, the Chinese central bank is flooding the market with liquidity in an effort to stave off the possible economic impacts of the viral outbreak. It's already pumped billions of monetary stimulus into the system, and this week it cut its one-year loan rate to 4.5%, that's down from 4.15%, and the five-year loan rate to 4.75% from 4.8%. So it's not just fear. We have monetary policy in play as well. You know, it's interesting. We had a really odd thing going on in the markets midweek. Gold was going up. And at the same time, the stock market was going up. And all of this was happening with a pretty strong dollar. The Dow was up some 115 points on Wednesday, even as gold was surging and pushing above that $1,600 an ounce level. That has central bank policy written all over it. Even though it's the Chinese central bank that is engaging and easing right now, it is impacting U.S. markets. That liquidity is going into the dollar, and it's going into stocks. That's why we see all of these things going up at the same time. So let's take a step back and look at this whole scenario for a second. We have the coronavirus, and the conventional thought is that this is driving investors to seek safe haven. Okay, why? Why? Well, the primary economic concern is that coronavirus will slow down output and ultimately stunt economic growth. Practically speaking, the world would produce less stuff, right? If the virus continues to spread, there would be fewer goods and services produced in a market that is hunkered down. That being the case, why aren't we seeing a lot more downside in the stock market? Well, it's because everybody believes the central banks are going to step in and save the day. And not just the Chinese central bank. I think the markets are banking on the fact that if worse comes to worse, the Federal Reserve will step in as well. I saw one report saying that the Commonwealth Bank of Australia expects the Federal Reserve to ease twice in the second half of this year, quote, as the virus threatens the global economy. And I think they're 100% right. Now, it's dumb. I mean, if you're having a contracting economy, you should contract the money supply, right? But that's not how central bankers roll. As Peter Schiff put it, when the economy is good, central banks print money, and when the economy goes bad, it prints even more money. Peter talked about this in his podcast this week, and he asked a really good question. Why would the Federal Reserve respond, or any central bank, why would they respond to a contracting economy by printing money? How does printing money solve that problem? As Peter said, it doesn't. In fact, it actually exacerbates it. But you know, everybody looks at central bankers as if they've got the solution to every problem. They don't. They don't have a magic wand. They just have a printing press. And all that creates is inflation. Now, sometimes the illusion inflation creates can look like a magic wand, printing money can paper over problems, pun intended, but none of this is going to fundamentally fix the economy. It's just going to pump more air into the bubbles. Now Peter Schiff and I aren't the only people noting that all of this ultimately points back to central banks. I read a report on the Advisor Perspectives website that pointed out that gold has been outperforming the S&P 500 since about 2018. Let me just read what the report said. Keep in mind, this is from a pretty mainstream investing website. What changed in 2018? to start this trend of gold's positive nominal and relative performance. Central bank intervention, of course, and the inexorable crushing of real interest rates. Since 2018, the Fed has stopped quantitative tightening, cut the Fed funds rate three times, and started a not QE. Currently, market participants are expecting two more cuts by the end of the year, and this when stocks are at all-time highs. If the stock market were to correct even by 5 or 10%, how many rate cuts would the market expect demand then so that sounds an awful lot like peter schiff right there of course as i've mentioned more than once on this podcast there ain't much room for interest rate cutting we are in the midst of extraordinary monetary policy right now when the whole thing really starts crashing down you're going to see a freak out of epic proportions now i mentioned inflation i think most people just shrug when you talk about all of this money printing being inflationary we haven't seen prices rising yet They say, in fact, inflation is muted. You're just crying wolf, Mike, they tell me. Of course, creating money is the very definition of inflation. We have inflation. There's no question about that. We have lots of inflation. The problem is people conflate inflation with one of the symptoms of inflation, and that's rising consumer prices. So far, at least as measured by the government CPI number, price inflation has indeed been pretty muted given the actual amount of inflation created by the central banks over the last decade plus. It's just not shown up in rising consumer prices yet. Instead, we've seen significant asset price inflation. It's primarily in the stock market, of course, but real estate prices have pushed into bubble territory. Auto prices have been inflated thanks to loose lending. I'll link to an article in the show notes page about the subprime auto loan bubble. There are some warning signs there with surging delinquencies. And then there are the strange asset bubbles that are out there that you don't really hear about in the mainstream press, like art. There's actually an art bubble. The bottom line is there is inflation, there's asset inflation right now. And the fact of the matter is there is consumer price inflation as well. I mean, I think anybody that ever goes to the store on a regular basis knows this. Certainly anybody who has had any kind of major health issues knows this. People paying rent know this. Do you know that one in four renters are paying more than half their income in housing? We intuitively sense that our dollars don't go as far as they used to, no matter what the Fed or the CPI tells us. But here's the dirty little secret. Some measures of consumer price inflation do tell us. The Cleveland Fed calculates what is called median CPI. Now, this is a number you don't really hear reported in the press, and the Fed certainly doesn't reference it. But by this measure, price inflation is running hot. Median CPI takes the standard CPI number and removes the extreme price increases and decreases that reveal underlying inflation trends. An article in Wolf Street explained how this median CPI works. Basically, there are extremes at both ends of the spectrum, often brought about by temporary factors. These skew CPI and make it very volatile where it jumps up and down. To obtain a measure of inflation that is not skewed by the often temporary extremes on either end, and to show the underlying inflation trends, the Cleveland's Fed medium CPI basically just removes the extremely high prices on one end or the low prices on the other end. So in effect, the median CPI tracks the midpoint, the median, of 45 major components of the Consumer Price Index. It's a complex mathematical formula, but it ostensibly gives us a much better sense of what prices are actually doing. So what is this index telling us? Well, median CPI was up 0.3% in January. That represents an annualized inflation rate of 3.7%. For those of you following along at home, that's more than 2%. For the 12-month period, the index rose by 2.9%. Since July, the median CPI has ranged between 29 and 3.0%. Of course, as I said, 3% is bigger than 2%, and that's the Fed's symmetric target. That's because the CPI calculations that the Fed relies on generally track way lower than any other inflation measure. And of course, this is precisely why the central bankers use it. They absolutely don't want to fight inflation. That would mean raising interest rates. That would mean tightening monetary policy. And that would mean popping the bubble economy. So they basically just pretend inflation doesn't exist. As Peter Schiff pointed out recently, the Fed needs to hold interest rates low to prop up the bubble economy, and it lacks the tools to aggressively fight inflation. He said, quote, the last thing the Fed wants to do is have to fight inflation because it can't. The way the Fed is able to justify keeping interest rates as low as they are is by claiming there is no inflation, claiming that we're below 2%. Well, what happens if we actually get to 4% or 5%? How is the Fed going to put that genie back in the bottle? How is the Fed going to take interest Rates up to 6 or 7 or 8 percent when we have all of this debt. They would force the U.S. government into default. So, when you look at things long term, there are really only two paths forward. The first is to raise interest rates and deal with the price inflation that is, if not already here, at least on the horizon, and let all of the air out of the bubble economy. Or the Fed can keep pumping air into the bubbles with more rate cuts and QE. But at some point, that's certainly going to tank the dollar. Those are the options. Look, I'm astounded that the world central banks have been able to keep this Jenga tower standing for this long. But ultimately, economic fundamentals have to catch up, right? You pull enough blocks out of the foundation and the tower comes crashing down. I look at this as a not if, but when kind of scenario. I mean, my gut kind of tells me that this coronavirus thing might be the pin that finally pricks the bubble. On the other hand, I wouldn't be surprised if the central bank's pump more money into the system and manage to keep the bubble inflated a little bit longer. I mean, they've done it far longer than I ever thought that they would. It really comes down to fundamentals though, right? Always keep your eye on the fundamentals. Now, if you're wondering how to play this breakout in gold or how gold can fit into your overall investment strategy, talk to a Shift Gold precious metal specialist today. You can call them at 1-888-GOLD-160 or you can shoot them an email at info at they can get into a lot more detail about what's going on in the precious metals markets and the broader economy and how it may impact your savings and wealth. Well, that's a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week at shiftgold.com slash news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to this Friday Gold Wrap podcast over on iTunes or on the Shift Gold YouTube channels. Links are on the show notes page. You can also now follow Shift Gold on Instagram. I'm doing little short videos uh, periodically there. Check that out. I'll also link to that in the show notes page. Thank you for listening to the show, and I'll talk to you again next week.